How are we doing today? We're doing good? We're doing good? Um, so most times I'm not in like a button-up shirt and like a, a, the, the nice shoes and everything, but my wife looked at me this week and said, you're not going to go up there and embarrass me. <laughs> well, she didn't say that, but her eyes did. And I kind of <laughs> figured out. And so like, I have to get going. They, get, they started the clock on me. Um, it, it's a lot to get through today. And so I want to reassure you, but I can't. I don't know how long this is going to be today, but let, let's, let's jump right in. Um, the, the, the verse is, is Matthew 43 and 48. You have heard it that it it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of the father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right? And so last week, um, if you were here, Kevin came up and he, and he, he gave an amazing, amazing sermon, right? But he did so with this preamble. He started by saying how, how lowly he is and how good I am. And see, where I'm from, that's called the gas up, right? It's, it, it, what, you, what it is is you're trying to make me high so you lower your expectations for yourself so that, that people are like, oh, that was good. That wasn't bad at all. But he did so at my expense because he's mean, <laughs> so, so he just, he, he, he gassed me up. And so I want, I don't know what your expectations for me is today from what he said last week, but lower them, okay? <laughs> All right, so um, I, I, wanna, I wanna begin um, by just recapping what he said last week and, and actually what we've been going over um, for this section of, of Matthew 5. Um, and I wanna do it really quickly. Um, and so I want to start in the beginning. And I don't mean in the beginning of chapter 5. I mean in like the beginning of the world. And I know when someone says they want to go quickly and they start like, well, I was born in 1956. It's not going to go too quickly, but I'm going to try. Pray for me. Okay, so um, uh, what, what happens in the, the beginning is, is that God makes a kingdom for himself. Right? And, and he, he, he looks out into chaos and he begins to build a world that, that is going to talk about him. And it's, it's, it's going to be about who God is. And he's trying to reveal himself through this world. Right? And so in the beginning, he just starts to create. And, and then he makes these citizens that he calls humans. And then, then these citizens... They mess up. They're idiotic and, and they, they, they lose their way. And in, in the, the process, they lose their citizenship. Because what their citizenship is, is their ability to reflect who God is. Right? And so their, their, their citizenship was lost. They were natural born citizens. And then they lost that. And so the only way for them to do their life's goal, right? You, if, if, if you have, 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 have ever had a moment of darkness where you said, man, I, there, there has to be more than this, right? There is. It's because you lost your citizenship. And you, you can no longer reflect God in the way that, that he intended. And so that your heart screams out for something more, 
right? That's what that moment is. When you, you're looking for more, you're, you're looking to be able to reflect God's image and you can't anymore because of the idiocy of Adam and Eve. But you know what? We, we fall straight into that idiocy and we make an idiocracy, right? <laughs> we, we do it every time we sin. We prove them right, that they made the decision that we would have made too. We sin also, right? And so, so when we see those, those sins and, and us becoming not, not, not citizens of God, but citizens of our own pride, right? We, we have to immigrate back into the kingdom. And, and, and what we see is God looked at, 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 that, at that moment and he, and he didn't give up on those citizens who lost their natural born citizenship. He didn't give up on them. Instead, he decided to run after them and go after their heart. And, and the way that he did that was he, he began to lay down the law, right? right? He, he laid down this law, but there was no representative to, to, to show us, to give an example of what that really looks like. The only thing we could go off of is the words. And so what would happen is people would get confused when, when God laid down the law that we are to, to keep the Sabbath. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, can I walk a mile or can I walk three, right? If I'm supposed to be getting rest, which is what Sabbath is, how, how far can I take that? When it says don't lie, can I do a white lie or can I, can I, can I full on lie? Like what, what are the, the, the boundaries of the lies that I can make? No one knew exactly what it looked like to be a true citizen of God. We could go off of the words, but there was no representative of that. And so God had a plan for that too. He sent Jesus his son. And Jesus was the perfect representative that he fulfilled all the law. And so a couple of, a couple of um, sun, Sundays ago, Shannon talked through um, Matthew 5, um, 17. And, and um, it, it says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, to, or, or, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of, these least, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the, hev- the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? And so Jesus, as the, perfect, as, as the perfect example of what a citizen looks like and the representative, he, what he does is, is instead of lowering the bar for us, right, he raises the bar higher. And so, so now, I, I don't know about you, these last couple of weeks, my jaw has dropped at the, 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 the necessary extent that we have to go to to fulfill what God laid out for us, right? It's crazy, right? And if your jaw doesn't drop, I, I mean, I encourage you to look at those scriptures again because I, I can't go into all of them, but let, let me just go into two, right? The first one, how many people here have been angry before? I almost just got angry at that, uh, that, that podium. I almost fell. But <laughs> all of us, right? All of us have been angry before. 
You know what? And, and, and what, the, what Jesus says in this group of scriptures is if you're angry to the point where you act out at all, you've murdered. Man, I'm a mass murderer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I get angry and I lash out at times. And, and, and this scripture makes it too high for me to be able to, 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 to accomplish what it says is necessary to be a citizen. And then, then the other example, man, this, and this one's close to my heart. Uh, a, a, couple of, um, a couple of weeks ago, Shannon rightly mentioned something really quick, and I'm, I'm going to take a chance here and, and dig into it a little bit. <laughs> Once again, pray for me, right? So what, what he said was that, you, that, that there is no excuse for a divorce other than sexual immorality, right? And then he stopped on this point and he said, if there's abuse in the relationship that you should separate, but not get a divorce. And man, I've seen abuse and I've seen the cycle of abuse in the lives of people that I know and that I love. I've been present as a child um, when, when abuse was present. And I've seen how women um, and men, right, can, can, can suffer abuse and then get caught in that cycle and come back and back again in unhealthy ways. And so when, when Shannon preached that, there's something in my heart that rebelled, right? Even though I know that scripture to be true, it, it, there's something in my heart that said, God, that, that can't be it. That can't be what you have planned. But my, what I've always been taught is that when there is a disagreement between me and scripture, scripture wins out. I have to figure out how to submit to that. And so the, the other thing that is true in my life is that I've seen the cycle of abuse and I've seen God move in those, those cycles. I've seen, I've seen where, where couples have, have had abusive relationships, but they are still together today reflecting who God is as citizens of his kingdom. And then it blesses me to this day. And so each one of these, 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 these sayings, that, that they're called the antithesis, each one of these things, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, each one of those things, hmm, each one of those things um, speak of, of a jaw-dropping moment because what Jesus is doing is he's raising the bar on the requirement of what it means to be a citizen. And, and so I got to this week, and to be honest with you, I wasn't impressed. Right? It was like, love your enemy um, and, and, and pray for those who, who persecute you. But man, I, I've lived with that all my life. And, and, and so w realizing, as I've, I've read, realizing that what should be happening here is that my jaw drops, realizing that, but instead seeing that, that what has happened is that I'm, 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 I'm nonchalant about it. I went looking for what was standing in between me and understanding the, 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 the level raising here, right? And so, um, what, what, there, was, there are three things that stood between me and understanding those scriptures. There's, there's three things as I dug that I found out, like, the, this is standing between me understanding the scriptures, and maybe this is true for some of you guys. One is, what is an enemy? Right? We, we live in a, a culture, when you're, when you're young and you're, you're hanging around, you, you play cops and robbers, right? There's a, a good guy and a bad guy, and you know who your enemy is. When, when you're young, you play um, cowboys and Indians, right? 
right? Now it's not so PC to, 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 to play, right? But there was, back then when I grew up, it was, there was a clear, there was a clear good guy, bad guy, right? And so we find the same thing, the same thing that happened to cowboys and Indians, right, is the same things that, that are happening today when I was at both in the military and a police officer. And my job as in the military was to identify threats, right? I was, I was in Intel, so it's kind of top secret, can't really talk about it, nobody share this outside. But every day it was tasked to me to find out who was the enemy, and it was hard because sometimes you had angry people who were rightfully angry. They just lost a loved one, but they weren't an enemy. They were an opponent, right? Because in their heart, they had anger, but they didn't intend harm. And that's what an enemy is, someone who intends harm, right? And and so when I was a police officer, I, I, I had the same problems. I, I, would, I would go out on the street and pull people over, and there's this, there's this moment, right, when you see somebody bigger than you and you know they can beat you up. <laughs> there's this moment of fear, like, I'm not sure how this is going to go. And so you walk up and you're trying to quickly identify, man, I, I, I don't do the job anymore and there's a reason. And for those of you who do, man, I, I really respect you because there is a reason why that's a hard job. Because when you have split seconds, to, to identify what is a threat and what is just an angry person having a bad day. And so for us, we have to identify that too. What is an enemy? It's not just an opponent. An enemy is someone who intends harm. And so for us, we are called to love our enemies and also love our neighbors. So for us, we don't have enemies that, that we choose, right? We have enemies who choose us. It says in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So for us, we're not, we're not, we don't, I don't call anybody an enemy, but there are many people who feel like we want to do them harm. And so they retaliate by doing us harm. And in those cases, that's your enemy because they've declared it. And so the the next thing that stood in in front of me understand the scripture was the idea of of love, right? What does it mean to love your enemies? Because when I grew up, man, I thought I had this down. My my mom told me, look, if, if somebody hits you, go tell the teacher, right? Be nice. Johnny's making fun of you because he wants to be your friend, <laughs> right? That's, we've all heard the, these, these types of things, and we've been taught that that is loving your enemy, right? But that's just being civil to your enemy. There, there is just us being nice to people is not love. And so I, I had this conversation with Shannon, and I was kind of trying to work my way through understanding love. And so I, I, I've been taught my whole life, man, love is a verb. And so that, that is talking, what are, what are we doing? And I don't know if any of you have been around Shannon, but he's real quiet when he's talking to you. And he just kind of sat there and smiled at me, trying to make me work it out myself. And so I said, well, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he said, yeah, there's two verbs there. I was like, oh, 
I realize when your pastor tells you that you're, you're kind of off, you got to think about it for a second. And then, then I realize that every time that, not every time, but the, the, the times that we see love and God associated, what we see is, is love happen on the inside and then an action happen after that, right? So for God so loved the world that he gave, love and sacrifice were, were, were pushed together. And so we see that again with Jesus on the cross, right? We see that he loves us and he did something because of it. And so we see him say of his enemies there that, that Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And even here in this scripture, we see this two-step love process, right? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so we're called to pray. And, and I, I realized why my jaw didn't drop, is that I didn't understand what it meant to mean to love. I didn't understand my enemy. A, a couple of, of years ago, in 2015, a, a man walked into a church, sat down for prayer, and then shot nine people. The excuse that he used was skin color. But it could have been any excuse. He chose that church because of the, the witness that they had in that community. So he walked in and shot nine people. And man, what, what touched my heart is when, when they arraigned him, the people of that church got up and they looked at him and said, we love you. And we pray for you. In that moment, my jaw dropped, right? My, my jaw dropped because I understood that they were pulling out their citizenship card and saying that we are citizens of God's kingdom. And it cost them something. There was a sacrifice. There's no way that, that I can imagine losing a loved one to someone else. And the moment, days afterwards, crying before them and saying, I love you and I pray for you. And, and, and that brings us to, to, to the third point. There's, in, in our culture, and in every culture really, but in our, in our culture, one of the, the things that defines enemy for us is differences, right? It's not necessarily skin color. It's not necessarily who you are. It, it, it could be your, your Republicans versus Democrats, right? It could be, it could be, um, you, you live in, in, you're a Yankee, you live in New York, and, and we're Southerners, and whatever. Wh whatever it is that divides us, we tend to think in terms of, of differences. And so a lot of people, a lot of times when people look at these, these, this scripture here, they think of soothing those differences, that that's what this scripture is here for. And, and even though that's true, that's partly true, that's not the main point of this scripture. Now, when I, when I went looking for other people preaching on this subject, because why make up what, what you can steal, <laughs> right? What I, what I heard over and over and over again was people bring up the name of Martin Luther King, right? That's the first thing they go for. Martin Luther King said this. And, I, and man, you got to understand, I love Martin Luther King. And I'm not just talking about what he did in, in, in terms of the civil rights movement. I spent a five-year period of my life 
looking into philosophy just to understand an argument that he gave about Nietzsche versus Gandhi, right? I, I spent time digging into to, um, grammar just to understand how he did what he did in the, the letter from the Birmingham jail. I really, really appreciate his mind. I think he was the best speaker of the 20th century. And some of you are looking at me like, in other news, the sky is blue, grass is green, and fire ants bite, right? But, but for me, there, 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 there's something that I love about the way he thinks about things. And so everybody else was talking talking about him, I went to look for what he had to say on the subject. And, and the, the thing that, when I looked at it, I, I'll be honest, man, I was, I was a, a little disappointed. <laughs> I was a, just a little disappointed because it, his approach was to the practical first. And I love him, but I think he got it wrong here, right? He, he said, he said, he taught this, this, this group of scriptures every year, and he, he made this claim, it's so basic to me because it is part of my basic philosophy and theological orientation. And man, he gave one of the best sermons on the subject that I, I had listened to to that point. But here, I think he missed the jaw-dropping moment because it wasn't just about the practical, and that's what he goes into. He goes into how it affects the other person, how it affects you, how, how, it, how it affects the community. And man, all those things are true. But this, this scripture is, is, is mainly about your citizenship. And, and, and so he takes this moment when, when it's the darkest moment, our, our, our um, our character, the axe is coming down on his head, right? Like this is the darkest moment because what Jesus has done is he's continued to raise the bar. So for us, there is no hope. And so what, what a lot of people do is talk just mainly about the practical, but this is about hope, right? And so, so he, he, Jesus digs in here and says that the reason why you are to love your enemies and the reason why you are to, um, to pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus' point here isn't to, to win friends and influence people. This is about us reflecting who God is. Because if you think about it, if this is just about changing people's mind, Jesus fails here, right? Jesus loved his enemies and was killed. And as a matter of fact, they went after every one of his friends. If this is just a way for us to do nonviolence and change people's hearts, it's not a good way. If that's the only purpose. But, but instead, if the purpose is to, to lift up the name of God and be citizens and fulfill our purpose as human beings, then it's worth it. It doesn't matter whether or not the person changes. It doesn't matter if, if they agree with you in the end. Instead, what matters is that God is glorified and his kingdom is lifted up. And, and, and 
But the thing is, is that Martin wasn't wrong. He wasn't, he wasn't completely wrong, right? There, there are practical aspects here. And so Jesus gets into that. I'm sorry, hold on. Jesus gets in, into that in, um, in, in, in the next scripture. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So for us, what, what, what we see is that there is a reward. And that reward isn't personal, right? I, I don't get $20 for, for loving my enemy. Instead, of, instead, what I get is to see someone else, someone who's in the image of God. I get to see them changed over time. And so the testimony of our faith is that right after, right after Jesus came and, and died, that there were, there were church members who were persecuted right in the years right after that. And as they were persecuted, they would die in, in coliseums where lions were, 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 were killing them. They were, they were put before gladiators and killed. And their testimony was that they prayed for those who were in positions over them, even in the face of persecution. And there was, there was one author who said, instead of stamping out Christianity, they made it spread. And why is that? Because the testimony of someone seeing love pulls them closer to God. And so there is both a practical aspect here and there is, there is the, the citizenship aspect here. And, and, and so that, that brings us to that, that last part of that verse. And when I looked at it, it really didn't fit. So he, Jesus is talking this whole time about loving your enemies. He's talking about the reward that you have. And then all of a sudden he says something out of left field. Be perfect as I am perfect. I didn't get it. So I gave Jesus the, the, the handguns. Pow, pow, pow. I got you. All right? <laughs> so, but, but as, as I studied, I went to Luke and, and studied there. And so what, 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 how Luke translates that is be merciful as I am merciful. What I realized here is that Luke and Matthew had two different things in mind when they translated Jesus' words. Luke was focused on, laser focused on that particular scripture. Luke said the, 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 the application to love your enemy is to be merciful as God is merciful, right? Matthew looks at the whole groups of scriptures from, from, from where Jesus raises the bar. And he says, you know what? If, you're, if your enemy, if you're going to love your enemy, you need to be merciful as, Jesus, as, as God is merciful. If you're going to combat lust, you need to be hum, wholesome as, as your God is wholesome. If you're going to overcome anger, you need to, be, you need to be patient as your Father in heaven is patient. If you're not going to break oaths, you need to be truthful as your Father in heaven is truthful. And so he, he gathers up all those ideas and says, be perfect as I am perfect. And, and so, to be honest with you, as I look at those scriptures, I realize that I don't add up. That I have anger. 
I have anger issues. I, 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 I sometimes break the oath. I'll, I'll say something and mm, don't got quite follow through. And I, I don't always love my enemies and I, I don't always keep from retaliating. And so if we were to stop here, if the, the film was to end here, all of us, I think, I know for me, would fall short. Right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God that the Bible doesn't end there, right? Thank God that, that what happens instead is that Jesus raises the bar on us so high that we can't depend on our own effort. Right? And we can't translate this scripture away. We can't say that, that this means somehow that I can do it on my own. Right? Because John in, in John 1.18 says, says this. If I can find it. Let me get it out of the Bible. Hold on. <laughs> John 1.18. All right. First John 1.18. You can talk amongst yourselves while I find this. <laughs> One eight, I'm sorry. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us, right? So we can't say that we can do this on our own. And, and the other thing is, is that we can't say sometimes... Um, that word perfect is translated as mature. And we, and we can't just say this is somehow Christian maturity. And the reason why we can't say that is because it says, if it's mature, it's be mature as your father in heaven is mature. And that's perfect. That just brings us back to the same place. And so Paul steps into this in Galatians. And I think he, he relieves this pressure for us. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted as, to him as righteousness. And so for here, we're being perfected but we're not being perfected by just hurtling the bar. It's through faith. And 25 says this, but now faith, that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 
And so we both see the perfection that is called for and the reflection that is called for there. We see both of those concepts in those scriptures, both that, that we are being perfected. We don't have to be per perfect because God has already done that on the cross for us. He was our perfect representative and then sacrificed himself for us. He both loved and gave. And then he reflected for us. And so because he reflected, our faith is in his reflection, not in our own. And so each one of these things are, 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 are calling us towards faith in him. And so what are we to do? I, I think, I think what, what's, what's, what's called of us to do is, is have faith so that, that we're brought into compliance. So that faith is not only good, as, as, as Paul says here, and, and I'm, I'm closing so, uh, so Brian and you guys can come up. It, um, the, what, what faith does here does not only bring us to salvation. Paul asks, what, what makes you think that it's only for salvation? Your perfection is happening through faith. And so if you want to, to come into compliance with all of these rules, you, what you'll see is those rules coming to in compliance as you are, have faith in God to change your heart and bring you closer and closer to him. And so we both can have the, 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 the benefit of, of growing closer to God and the benefit of him already having done it on the cross. And the other thing that we have to know is that we have to know that just as, as, as Brian, um, um, as he read uh, Romans 5, that we, we have to know that we were first enemies of Christ. That if, 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 if we want to love others, we have to first know that we were loved. John 4.19 says, we loved because he first loved us. If you want to love, if you want to fulfill these commandments, it comes from faith and knowing that you were first loved. And there's a cycle that as you know that you're loved, that, that you're able to love. And as you're able to love, you recognize the sacrifice that God gave on the cross and it humbles you. But it cost him something. And so I, for, for some of you, this road and, and we've come to salvation, but we're still having faith for God to perfect us. So I want to pray for you today, that as he perfects you in this and, and all of the things that have been said in this chapter, as he perfects you in this, that your faith would be strengthened. But then I, I also want to pray for anyone here who hasn't gotten their citizenship Look, if you try to do this on your own, then Jesus just said you can't. Can you live without anger? Can, can you love your enemy in every moment? If you can't, you need faith. Because I need faith. That same process that brings us to faith is the same process that sustains it. And that's us depending on the Lordship of God. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to direct our hearts towards him in faith. God, I, I thank you for this, God. I thank you that you are Father, and you look perfect, God. 
and your perfection, God, in comparison to your perfection, God, we're nothing, God. We're nothing. We, we, we don't add up. And so when you asked us, Lord God, to be perfect as you are perfect, God, we know that, that that's not something that we can do, and so we depend on you to do it for us, God. And not only, Lord God, to, to, to send us to heaven, but also, Lord, so that, that we can come into further compliance while we're here, so that peace would reign on earth, so that, that, that Jerusalem would come today, your peaceful city. And for those of us, God, who, who haven't given up, Lord God, the, the being aliens to you, we pray, God, we, we pray that we would be brought in, they would be brought into closer relationship with you. You would call their heart and change it, God, so that they would look like citizens covered in your blood, clean, but also moving towards the perfection that you've called them to. We pray all these things in your name.